Good morning and welcome to our service this morning. Thanks for joining us. In the midst of our doubt and our darkness, the risen Christ comes to greet us. He assures us that in God's great love for us, we have been redeemed. Thanks be to God. So let's sing together our opening hymn, Thine be the glory, risen, conquering Son. Can I lead you in prayer? Let's pray together. Merciful and loving Lord, we come into your presence today hoping in some way to touch you, to see for ourselves the truth of your resurrection. So gather up our lingering fears and confusion, meet our doubts in your compassion and grace and understanding. Open our eyes 
to your love surrounding us. Open our ears to hear you calling us to new possibilities. Open our imaginations to what you might yet do in us and for us and through us. To anyone who has been unable to believe, would you come afresh to them this morning? Come again to all who have known you but have turned away from you. Help us to experience you coming into our room, meeting us and saying, Peace, peace be with you. May our broken world and our broken lives be transformed into your image. We offer our woundedness and turn to you for healing and newness of life. For you, our God, are our strength, our hope and our salvation. Amen. Psalm 33, verses 12 to 22. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth, he who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army, no warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord even as we put our hope in you.
Our loving Heavenly Father, thank you for our lives and for the world you have made. Thank you for the gift of prayer and for the call to pray for others. Father, we want to lift up to you those who have great need at this time. In many ways, we do not know what to pray, but our eyes are upon you. So we leave moments of silence to remember before you those we know, trusting that your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray for those who are not well. We pray for those who are caring for others in frailty, sickness and distress. We pray for those who are seeking to find solutions to the problems that we face. We pray for those who are grieving the loss of loved ones. We pray for those who are experiencing uncertainty and difficulty in their circumstances. We pray for those who are giving of themselves to help and provide for others. We pray for the leaders of our land and around the world. We pray for your church in these days. Loving Lord, have mercy upon us and bring about your will in your world. Our eyes are upon you. Amen. Romans 8, verses 28 to 39. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.
we're going to celebrate communion together now. I hope you've got some bread or some wine or something else that's suitable to drink. Whoever you are, you are welcome to share in this communion service. The Son of God, who gave his life to ransom you from death, welcomes you to this table. He invites you to put your faith, however fragile or inadequate that might feel, in his love for you, in his grace towards you. He's promised that whoever comes to him, he will never turn away. And that promise holds good for you. We eat bread and we drink wine because on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he sat at supper with his disciples. And while they were eating, he took a piece of bread. He broke it, said a blessing, and gave it to them with the words, This is my body. It's for you. Do this to remember me. And later he took a cup of wine, saying, This cup is God's new covenant, sealed with my blood. Drink from it, all of you, to remember me. So Jesus invites you to remember him by eating bread and drinking wine. It's an action which gives expression to our faith and trust in him. Take a moment to consider whatever bread it is you have. This represents the body of Christ broken for you. Each piece of bread that we eat is made from grain that once was scattered across the fields, but that grain has been gathered together into this bread. St Paul said, the bread which we break, is it not a sharing together in the body of Christ? We are the body of Christ. At the moment, we're scattered. The body of Christ is broken. But as we celebrate communion together, the body of Christ is remembered. And take a moment to consider whatever wine it is that you have. This represents the blood of Christ poured out for you. And each sip of wine that we drink has been produced from many vines, the grapes crushed to make what is for us the new wine of God's kingdom. So Jesus was crushed, his blood shed to redeem us to forgive us, to seal God's eternal covenant with us, to bring us new life. So can I lead you in prayer? God of all those who are scattered and broken, you call us to wholeness. We thank you for the love demonstrated in giving your Son to unite us to yourself. We thank you that in Jesus you enter into the pain, the uncertainty and the fear of our world. That your arms are open wide to us in loving embrace. Gather us to yourself as a mother hen gathers her brood under her wing, as a shepherd gathers his flock. We thank you for bread and for wine. Symbols and signs for us today of your faithfulness to your people through all generations. Your faithfulness to each one of us, right here, right now.
And so we share communion. This is the body of Christ, broken for you. And this is the blood of Christ shed for you. And you have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Through him you trust in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and your hope are in God. So let's sing together. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son.
Certainty is a tricky thing, is it not? At the best of times, it's difficult to be certain. Just when you think you're getting a handle on things, when you, when you think you've got control uh, and covered all eventualities, life goes and throws a curveball. Relationships, your job, health. Well, to say it's unsettling is an understatement, and particularly at the moment when so much of our lives is unclear. Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome during the early reign of the Emperor Nero, when Christian uh, persecution was just at its beginning. Your very existence, if you were a Christian there, was uncertain. The church in Rome was also uncertain about just how much of their Jewish heritage they needed to continue. What rites and rituals should they adhere to? And it's against this uncertainty that Paul wrote his letter to the Romans. Now today we're going to look at some really specific verses in chapter 8. But in order for us to appreciate those, uh, we're actually going to take a, a brief look at the whole of the chapter. This is a chapter which you might actually describe it as having um, bookends because it starts and ends with absolutes. The absolute certainty and security that can be experienced in Christ. It tops and tails with this great encouragement and truth. Because of Jesus and because of what Jesus did for you and for me on that cross, we can know and eternally experience the love of God. He begins with those amazing words that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The good news is, though our sin, our wrongdoing, mean we deserve punishment, Christ on the cross in his perfect way has taken that punishment. And by God's grace, we no longer are to be condemned. We're set free. We're liberated. He closes the chapter with that second great absolute that nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love for us in Christ. All the other verses that go between the, the, the 37 of them are, are Paul's case for why these amazing truths are things that we really can be sure of. We can be sure of them, firstly, because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives in us. The same Spirit that raised Christ on that first glorious Easter morning is the Spirit within those who love Christ. And if that isn't mind-blowing enough, that same power that brought Jesus to life is in you. Verses 12 to 17 say that this enables us to be adopted into God's family. It means you and I have a heavenly father. It means that you and I, though born into wretchedness, have been lovingly chosen and adopted. Verse 15 says, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption. To sonship and by him we cry Abba 
Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So we've been liberated by Christ and given the Holy Spirit so that we might know God as our Father. Well, the adoption process, quite rightly, uh, is a long and at times frustratingly slow one. It can be full of heartache. Paul reminds us in verses 18 to 25 that we too wait for our adoption to be made complete. And in the meantime, uh, suffering is a part of our experience. We suffer, creation suffers, and we ache and we long for a time when the difficulty, the frustration and the pain will end. But hold on to this truth. We do not wait alone. Verse 26 says that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. When we don't have the words, when in those moments perhaps when we're alone, and you just want to weep, perhaps for our own mental ill health or physical suffering, or for those that we see suffer, the Spirit speaks what's on our hearts. The Spirit speaks for us and fills in those gaps that we feel we're unable to fill ourselves. In those moments, in these crazy Covid times, we can be assured of God's love. We can be sure that our Heavenly Father, who has chosen you and me, adopting us into his family, loves us so very, very much that it means no matter what happens as we wait for our adoption to be made complete, we can't be detached from him. For his spirit is in us. No matter how terrible the situation, how powerful, how apparently powerful the destructive force, nothing and no one can separate us from his love. What is our response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He gave us his only son, his precious son, so that he can look at you and me and say, my child. So I close with this absolute assurance, a certainty in an uncertain world. If you know and love Jesus, hold on to that truth that God is for you. The God of all creative, all knowing power reaches out to you and says, my child. So live with that truth in your hearts. Let that impact how you speak and interact with your family and stranger alike. Nothing in this world, whether it might try to throw whatever it is, it might try to throw at you. It can't match the love that God has for you. Thank you.
Oh my.